say this. I, I just drove down the 710, um, you know, like a 25-mile drive, and I listened to Boom, There She Was, 11 times in a row. Wow. <laughs> just to give you, like, my level of, like, fanboy geekness. Um, I think it took me till this year yeah. to even be able to listen to that. No! Why? Are you one of those? Really? Why? That whole... Dude. Album in particular. Why? Like both Green and I were like, I could never listen to that ever. I think I listened Why? to it this year and thought, this is okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wrong. And I, I all I'm right. kind of like that anyway. But that record in particular was like, I really? Mean, I got that was like physically ill at the end of that record because I was so. But exhausted. it's such a great fucking record. All right, so just so thank you, people. A lot of yeah. people don't really like that one. Really? Yeah. Well, a lot of people are fucking idiots. <laughs> just, let's just get very clear on that. So just, just so p- folks understand. Also, and I want to make one statement for the podcast. Um, people keep asking for like uh, Spotify playlists. And, you know, like, we reference all these tracks, and, and I'm just going to go on record as saying, there's this resource called the Internet. And when we say things, do me a solid, because it takes me a long time to do this, and look up things. Um, but that record's provision, right? Yeah, it is, yes. Now, without going too far into the, you know, neuroses of it, why was that... Why? It's such an incredible piece of work. Why would that be painstaking to go? I think it was the most digital sounding analog yes. record. Well, you want well, ever made. when you invite Ray Bardani to <laughs> mix it too. Come on, man, he's a genius. But you're gonna, it's gonna be punchy yeah. and hard it and be like the most anal, yeah, record. But you which know is what? what? A lot of people don't like about it. You but know? you know what? It's and and I remember saying to you, uh. It's it is very digital, but there's so much soul in its digitalness, if that's Thank even you. a word. We, I mean, our mantra at that point was, "Machines groove better than humans," <laughs> because every and, human we would bring in would be like, "Nah," yeah, <laughs> and we just replace it. With you a guys were the Steely Dan of, you know, like of that thing. Because there really weren't, I mean, other than maybe the system or like, you know. The system was a big influence at that time. Yeah, but, you know, and and, and Dave Frank is a totally. beast, you yeah. know. He was a good friend, too. And that's cool to know, because I, I, he's, I could see the the same mindset, the same approach to making stuff. I mean, David funky. was sort of doing that even before, like, David was on the scene, like, a little before, because he's a yeah, little older a, than yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what David was doing was, like, definitely a big influence. Yeah. I mean, like, that first System album and You Are My System. Oh, uh, yeah. What was it? It's Fire or something? I think that I, was maybe that first single. It yeah, was I don't know. Blew my mind when I first heard yeah. that. Yeah. I just know that the hits and, I mean... It was, the, like, The System, D-Train. Yeah. And he's all, cool, too. He's such... Do you ever work no. with him? No. So cool. I, you know, through one of the Marcus guys, uh, he, uh, a guy named Jason Miles, who you probably yep, know Jason, over the years, I met D-Train and like, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So. Yeah, so it was like that, all that stuff was like, before really what we were doing, but that was like, hugely influential. I mean, like, Kashif and... Mm. But, it's funny to hear you say that it like, ripped your soul out, because I, I, I know that you... You know, and I, I told you this because I, you know, being on the session for Comeback for the Luther record, Any Love. Yep. Your tune rolled in, and I had never seen a computer. 
in a, in a studio before and you laughed you're like i'd never been in a studio without a computer which <laughs> totally cracks me up because this is early in the game i mean it really for me it will i mean it was early in the game for me as a as a musician or, or, or working but the the the, the technology was such it was so in its infancy. It I mean, was. I mean, what were you using, performer or? Well, not to. It depends when you're talking. So like, comeback. Like oh, literally, comeback. I will get back to. Okay, you know, my comeback. Sure. By that point, vision. I don't remember if it was either. I had moved to the computer or it was like a QX one. Oh. But I think I had moved to maybe performer. Or something it it was the computer. One. I had performer like at version one. <laughs> on a Mac Plus. Oh, whoa. And I remember buying the Mac Plus and it had, I think it was one meg of RAM. <laughs> Holy mackerel. <laughs> Which was, and yeah. I remember saying, how could you ever want more than yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I don't remember at what point, what was that, 89? It was 88, 89. It was 88, I think it came out in 89. Okay, so, so yeah, like, that was like the, actually that was kind of the transition yeah. where like the, computer software was like good enough to sort of use because there was a point at which there was like the first versions of digital performance stuff where i had it but i wasn't really using it because it really wasn't you couldn't it was so limited yeah that i was still using like a qx1 okay which was like a yamaha right sequencer which a lot of that almost all of it was step sequenced right 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 because it felt different to me right but i guess i mean i just remember comeback was so it's it was so tight but it was there was a feel to it like i almost wonder like i know for me like now everyone uses sequencers and we're not going to geek out so hard on gear but oh, damn. like i oh we can but I, I i remember feeling like it was quantized Meaning that the you know the computer like kept everything tight and in time, but no one else's stuff had a feel where it was quantized. But it felt like oh, it's like pushing a little, and it's it like there was a pocket. Thank you. It, uh, it, I uh, did play with that a lot. Good because you know what I know guys now that they don't even think about. They're like oh, it's sixteenth note resolution. That's it. They yeah. quantize and they don't think about it. I mean, what? How did you play with it? And then I'll explain after the fact. Um. Well, it depends on I, I think I just I can't remember at what point um what I was using on comeback. But I remember on, on like for instance provision, yeah. we were doing a lot of stuff with offsetting yeah. the where where the sequencer played against time code. So there was like oh, there wow. was like a device which I still have in the garage called uh Friendship SRC. Wow. Which Holy was crap. Like the first unit that allowed you to it would spit out MIDI clock yeah. whilst reading SMPTE. And you could give it oh. a start time, and it would you hit a button, and on the next downbeat, yeah. it would start spitting out oh. clock. So you could base, and you could offset in yeah. milliseconds ah. where, that, where the tempo was. Wow. So you so could you, play with feel. You And you did. because I mean, because to get back to the very first tune, and then we'll get what the Tupamaros was... Um, that, that tune, I mean, and I, I, you know what, I might even put a link up to it or, or something, because it's like, you got Roger Troutman, yep. Marcus Miller, Ewan Green, I mean, who, anybody else? a little Dan Huff, I think. Okay, alright. 
it's such a perfect combination of those personalities. Which we literally, on the like guitar stuff, we literally punched every single note. That I, that's insane. <laughs> you went Anthony Jackson on the whole track. Totally. Wow, I can give you eighty six percent on this note. Yeah, that's wow. Okay, because um, I mean, and the thing is, the use. I spent a year trying to get just the opening gliss of the song. Marcus is, it's the best gliss he's ever played. And he, I know he, you know, and wow, this is esoteric shit. I'm sorry, but that really like, is. yeah, but that gliss, like that gliss defined like a period of time for me That's as hilarious. a bass player. I mean, like really spent years. It's the like, most like anechoic gliss. It's like so well, dead. It's so cool though, man. It, there's just, it's so compressed and it's just, yeah, it's there's, true. there's a sound to it. It's just like, you know, like, but the judicious use of his like pulls and then like, you know, like meaning all the Yeah, the there isn't a lot stuff. of them on that. No. As I recall. No, because the, the synth bass is so ridiculously funky that he's a compliment to it. Right, yep. But he did add, like, he was one of the rare humans that would actually, you'd bring even those little pops and little things, oh, no, would just add a whole nother dimension. Whereas a lot of times you'd bring people in and it was just like, it just never seemed, it would be like, you know, it was like this poor human going to war with the machines. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you... like Which was really Green's role as the singer, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Which he always felt. I can imagine. I mean, I, you know what's funny with Green, and I don't know if anyone's ever said this or thought this, but lyrically, and sometimes his phrasing, he always... He feels like... Like if, if Mose Allison and Michael Franks had a son. Yeah, definitely and, Michael Franks, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, but but... There's a lot of, like, Paul Simon in there, too, though. I, yeah, see, I don't know enough about Paul Simon's work to, to know that. Okay. Like, I'm not as educated on him. I know he's To me, but... well, it's that, but it's also, I don't know if you know, like, the Canterbury bands, like Robert Wyatt and... A little, yeah, okay, yeah. Hatfield okay. and North, which was Richard Sinclair singing. Uh-huh. That's really... That's he's, what he's coming out of? He's, it's that mixed with, wow. like, American yeah. R&B, kind of. How did you guys meet? Because that's a strange company. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Mookie does, man. I'm like, okay. Um, we actually met through Jeff Travis, okay. who ran Rough Trade. Oh, wow. And still does, and still manages Green, actually. Oh, wow. Um, that's how we met. Um, Were you over in the UK? Like, I did, a, I did an independent little terrible... Little dance record, which was a cover. Sure, it of, wasn't terrible. No, really, insane it is. Insane Jews in a room, you're insane. <laughs> yeah. Which was a cover of Sugar Sugar. Oh, wow. And Jeff put it out, and then actually was like, we were going to do something else, and then he kind of connected me with Green. Okay. Which was like, because like, like Scritty Politi was already on Rough Trade and doing stuff, and he was like, oh, you know, you, should, you guys should connect. Oh. And in a weird way, it was so weird because we were. I was a huge fan as a teenager of that Canterbury oh, wow. stuff. Like, okay. and nobody knew what that was. But wait, like, Scritti Politi existed before your involvement? Oh, yes. Didn't know that. Yes. Like, I'm not even a little, wow. Okay, yeah, no, they actually, there's a whole completely different sounding Scritti Politi, which really was like, came out of the whole punk 
thing and wow oh yeah you should check it out it's like it couldn't be more different wow okay i mean in some ways it's you know green was always he's the through line so it was always green's band okay and i don't know if you know even well now it's probably six or seven years ago he put out a record I do. Okay, which was that, really a beautiful record. It's completely un, uh, like a, th- from what I've heard, I've heard little bits of it. It's a totally unrelated to, the not unrelated, but in pr- terms of production, it's not synth heavy. It's right. It's not, not. It's unrelated in terms of production, but very yeah. related in terms yeah. of songwriting. Yeah. Um, and it's I think it's a beautiful record, but that's something, he did like you know in his bedroom. Oh wow. So and I you know he's been working on another one. <laughs> Yeah, since but at his pace. Yeah, so, you know yeah. it's just very slow. But yeah. yeah so anyway, that was That's that existed before. Didn't know it. Jeff kind of put us together, and then we did those two records, which mm. was, you know, Cupid and Psyche and Provision. Yeah. And that's the stuff we kind of did together. Okay. Um, I, I s- stupidly in my mind, I always thought of Scritti Politti was yours. And for and maybe it's because I'm drawn to the sense and drawn to the. You're probably the only one that thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> is that a good thing? I don't know. I, I mean, it is for but, today. but here's the thing: moving forward, and and maybe this is why, because if, if Green moves at such a slow pace, and and his body of work is so differently, I think of you as also producing producing Michelle and Deggio Cello. Yeah. Also produce like you know going doing writing songs for lots of folks and producing. So maybe I you know my assumption is well no Dave's the you know he's he was the sound, but I know it kind of was that sound in you know like those two records. Yes. So, but you know, like my whole thing was I always just wanted to be a record. Like that was my I want to be a producer writer. Yeah. And so that was like one thing, and right. And then I just kind of kept moving around because that's I just like. I was never, never interested in playing live. No, me too. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> I hear you on that. It was about making records. So, yeah, you know, it totally. was just moving around trying to f- keep interested in making different kinds of records. So, how did you get hooked up with Luther? Because that's that was a well, tight, tight knit group. It man. was, and I, I think it was really through Ray. That makes sense. That uh, makes sense. Wow. Okay. And I so I think. You know, he was. I guess he was kind of aware of those records just because it was like Ray and a bunch of the same, and you know, and Marcus had been on those Scooby records. So I think. Yeah. I don't really know. I was certainly not part of that inner circle, but no. And I, I no. think I literally came down to. Right, right track, track Studio A, man. And with like a cassette of a couple of tunes and gave it to him and never heard from him again until yep. it was like, oh, it's on the record. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> We're cutting it. Can you come down? And just give us those sequences or something. Yeah. No, I was there. Okay. I mean, like, I remember, I, and I wasn't there when any, like, you know, I would, I would sit with Luther and he would listen to things. I can't, I can't remember if I heard any of your stuff, but here's the thing. I know sitting in there, I was like, Dave Gamson, Scritti Politti. I was like, that's really fucking hip, man. I remember thinking, like, I was a fan of those records, you know, or that, well, at that point, I guess... Cupid Psyche had come out, but but Provision wasn't out yet. I think that's right. Something like that. I can't. Yeah, I can't exactly remember. But I remember being like, "Oh my God, Luther's hip enough to like think of that sound," and then the the combination of like Marcus like adding some stuff to it and like I know Marcus added the oh my so so slick. But the fact that they they were like, I mean, how how did you feel? 
I mean, were, had you been a fan of Luther's work leading up to that, or were you totally shocked? That oh no, you... for sure. I was. Oh a big okay. Fan. But, yeah. Like to me, it was like a a weird process because it was literally like I dropped these tracks off. Never. It was you know there was no collaboration. Mm-mm. It was literally like okay, and here it is. It's fully baked. Wow. And did that freak you out based on your? Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. And that's like. <laughs> I it wasn't it. really like control freak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also like I'm a songwriter, so yeah, yeah, I have yeah. ideas, and so it's like you know yeah, I but... wasn't completely happy with the song part of it, to be perfectly oh, frank. Wow, but, you know, because it's like it was really like thanks. Okay, I'm gonna do my thing on top. Maybe right. that was just his thing. It was okay. I mean, I it definitely seems like it was because I know that in terms of like writing lyrics and coming up with melodies, he was that I don't think that was like a shared thing. At least right, I right, never right. noticed that. It was just like, oh, okay, I got this, you know. But I mean, I guess it's a little different that it's Luther, maybe as opposed to like I don't want to insult any other artist, but like just put in any other artist that might not be anywhere near Luther, and it would maybe wouldn't be as insult. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's that it wasn't Stacy Q. You know what I mean? It wasn't. I don't, and I don't mean True. to diss her, but I'm just saying it wasn't like. You know your control freak thing kicked in, and and it was it was it wasn't like Duke Ellington, you know. Oh, excuse me, it kind of was like the Duke Ellington of R and B, like sure. you know, you know. I think I was a. I've also looked sort of a lot more full of myself in those years <laughs> when you're young. Yeah. So I think I was a little probably more pissed off about it than I would have been now. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't. Now it would be like wow. Okay. Luther Vandross. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, you yeah. know, I don't know. I was, yeah, more of a you, control freak. You're probably, probably like, don't, don't they know what I can do? <laughs> Let me show you. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a trip. Well, then you're honest about that. I, I appreciate that because it's some, you know, some guys, you know, I could see that. I mean, and you can hear that in the rec, in those two Scritty records, you can hear that swagger. I mean, that is meticulous. It was meticulous. Detailed. I mean, I mean those records took a, a very long time to make. Really? How long? How long for each? Couple years or? But it was, you know, over the span of a year or two. Well, but every day, like well, you know, the like second not... provision was like the whole time at it, probably a year. Cuban psyche was like there would be, it was a longer than a year, much longer than a year. Yeah. It might have been a couple years, but there were like breaks. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of go back and do stuff, and we take a break. But yeah, about provision, I'm pretty sure it was like one long, very exhausting. Yeah. I just thought grind. of something. Totally, just thought of something. Because do you think there was any possible way that the connection could have also been made? Because you know, Miles Davis recorded. Didn't he record a cover of a Perfect Way? Or? Yeah, on Tutu. Yeah. And I mean, and that's which that was a that, weird one. That must have been really weird. That was really weird. And that was that's three years prior. I mean, that's eighty six. That was probably eighty six. Yeah, or eighty five. Really, really. It came weird. out in eighty five. So he probably oh, did it. In 80, although it was pretty quick afterwards. I think yeah. the story there was, you know, he got signed to Warner Brothers, and I guess. I don't. This is the story I always heard was that he would just get all the releases from Warner Brothers. Yeah. I, yeah. And I'm he just literally. That song, he was just like, this is cool. Hmm. I want to do a cover of this. Yeah. Well... Of all the stuff coming down the pike. Yeah. Like, it was just... It's how pretty, crazy is that? It's, but it's not, because if you think about it, in the 50s, 
they're all do they're do they're covering show tunes. They're covering Broadway tunes. You know, it's like, hey, it's a great song. That's all it was about. I think for him, I like this song. I want to play this. You know what I mean? Like, then, I, and then he guested on, yeah, you know, one song on Provision. Yeah, that's, that's right. So, and, was, and what was that like? Pretty quick. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, that was just oh, you know, that was, that was one of those amazing moments where <laughs> you're never gonna forget it. No, you know, he, you know, I think that might have been Sorcerer Sound. Really, Sorcerer Sound for those <laughs> listening, the strangest recording studio in the history, oh, and a great recording studio, but very odd uh, configuration of two neve boards welded together by an eccentric fella. Yeah, but great records made. There. Yeah, my memory of Sorcerer Sound was getting there just after he like welded those boards together. Wow! And had flying faders, which was like this state of the art automation at the time. Yeah. And getting in there and putting my coffee down and sticking my feet up on the board, <laughs> knocking the coffee off, and literally oh there was smoke. <laughs> Doctor Schmuck. Yeah. Are you kidding no. me? And blew up the board. <laughs> wow. Close on account of coffee. Good work, Amson. That's unbelievable. Because yeah. I can't even imagine. Wow. That's terrible. That's my memory. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So he came down to the studio down. alone, which was like, um, you know, we expected him to come with some entourage. But anyway, he showed up alone. Why would you think Miles would come with an entourage? I don't know. So I just didn't think he'd. I didn't think he'd come alone. Yeah. Anyway, so he came alone. You know, I think he had. He kind <laughs> of didn't get. The, you know, yeah. it was like this very major pop song. Yeah. Which he didn't really get those kind of changes. Uh, yeah. I so guess, he was yeah. like kind of had a hard time getting his head around the chord changes. Really? Yeah, because it was like I just think it was so out of his thing. Anyway. Wow. And then he literally had Green and I stand on either side of him in the overdub room mm. and just hit him, when to play, and when to stop. Wow. That's great. So we were both going, yeah, yeah. hitting him on the show. Yeah. Go! That's stop. great. I once had a it. session like that with Dr. John, but it was a different kind of hitting. He pl I had him play on a thing where the Kronos Quartet had done the string arrangement and for him it, you might as well have been screaming at him in Mandarin so he just said tell me when to blow you know he's like what do you want me to do you know by making him sound southern he doesn't sound like he's from New Orleans and he's like come on Sprout you know but yeah the hitting people to play thing is uh, very interesting but I mean he sounds he's I mean we had always out. like you know, in our head, sung the most out thing we could possibly think of that would he was going to play. Yeah. And then when he came in, it was like, oh, yeah, I would have never. That yeah. was like way no. further than. That's hysterical. But, yeah, it was a great moment. Holy shit. And then we like did it, actually that photo session in his. Oh, um, wow. In his apartment at the Essex house. Yeah, that's right. I was like got to hang with him a little bit there. So that's it was great. great. It was great. He was very. He's he was so awesome, cool. yeah. I I any time I spent around him was always just like there was it was never not great. You yeah. know, I mean, he was all he could be really kind of random to certain folks. Like you know, I, there Marcus told me the story. Uh, he was like it, sitting down in a chair. <laughs> this is so out. He was sitting down, and the assistant engineer was adjusting a microphone, and like Miles was basically you know he's like oh it's such an honor to meet you. 
uh, you know, let me just adjust this, like, you know, is everything okay? And Miles just, just like, looks up at him and says, anybody ever tell you you got the worst breath ever? <laughs> like, just, like, out of nowhere, I don't even, I won't even do the rasp, but it's just like, oh! So he would say some completely well, insane shit out of nowhere. When we showed up at his, like, at his apartment up there, I remember we asked, like, there was, like, the cleaning woman up there, and we were like... Uh, which one is Mr. Davis's? <laughs> and she was like, it's right yeah. there. So we knocked on the door and he answered the door and he was like, what do you want? Yeah. And we were like, uh, you know, we're here, uh, yeah. security for, you know, yeah. we're here to do the photo session. He's like, what do you want? Oh boy. And he was like, ah, just fucking, fucking with you. With you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Can you imagine if you had that voice, like the amount of fucking with people you could just do on a, being him? I just would fuck with people all the time. That's like it, it worked because we were yeah. just like quaking oh in our boots. God. How old are you at this point, too? By the way, are I you? I guess like, I was early twenties or something. So you're just out of school. Yep. Which I'm going to bring up, by the okay, way. Okay. Yeah. Because well, you, I was doing some of this stuff while in the school. I know this. You were at Sarah Lawrence, yeah. right? Yeah. You were a legend at Sarah Lawrence because we share a buddy, in Dave Porter, a composer, yep. who yep. also went to Sarah Lawrence, yep. and he was like. You cleared the path in a weird way for him. I had no idea. Check this out, though, because you were like, the the instructor still spoke of you. Well, obviously, because at this point, when, when we were college age, I didn't go to Sarah Lawrence, I went to Berkeley, but okay. we were the same age, and when he went to Sarah Lawrence, you, you guys were, you were having hits, and you, you know, it was already like, you, you had already become Dave, David Campson. <laughs> Do you know oh, this? Whatever. Yeah, whatever, that, yeah. No, but... It was great because he, he, I love the way he tells it. He's like, you know, I go to the school. They have no idea what to do with me because I'm like this weirdo with sense. And like, I don't fit into the music department. But you were the sort of like architect of like how they could now deal with a guy, another oh, one. So he, he was just like, wow. He's like, you know, he's like, I love that guy because, you know, I just, the teachers loved you there, man. You were like, he was like, dude, he was like a legend. Like, he was, like, a legend in that music department. And it's, like, I'm sure, like, no one, you know, who knows? You know, I don't know anything about the music department at Sarah Lawrence. I know it's an incredible college, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a liberal arts school, so it's not, like, it's not a conservatory, really. No, no. So, there is a, yeah, a music department. As I recall, there was actually, like, a electronic music oh. room. They had some... <laughs> Room. It was a room was with like yeah, a yeah. synth. Brian Eno was in the room. Hello, David. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't, it can't. It couldn't have been that extensive. I mean, did you get? I didn't that? use it. Yeah, but, but my father had like a. My father had an ARP twenty six hundred, and that's really like so. When I would go home, excuse me. Yeah, it's right here. Your old that's man. It. Your old man had. Oh my god. Yeah. So so did, he must have just completely fostered your musical yeah, like the oh perfect yes. man. My father was professional? like a uh, conductor oh. originally, but you know it's kind of a weird story. But he kind of like hit a wall at around early thirties, which many musicians do. Yeah. Oh god, I have no idea. Right. About, yeah. So I think you know he did really well. He went to Juilliard. Wow. He. Was Bernstein's assistant at the Philharmonic, and Are then you and had an opera company that went bust. It's Leonard Bernstein, by the way, <laughs> folks. Yes, yeah. And wow, you know, and had this family, and I think basically he kind of took a job with the County of Westchester doing parks administrative work for Parks and Recreation at that point because I wow. think he kind of like wow needed a job and had a family. Wow. And that was kind of it. Right. 
Okay. So, wow. So, I mean... But, he always was... Strangely, he was really interested in electronic music. So, he was down... He would... He enrolled in, like, this Queens College continuing it. So, they had a computer music course, which he was literally doing punch cards. Yeah. Which you would put in and... Yeah. To this computer and be like... You'd, yeah. like, you'd basically punch... I don't know, hundreds of cards and you'd get 10 seconds of sound. Wow. And then they had a a synthesizer lab with a Buchla and a modular Moog that he would go down and spend all weekend down there. And then he bought an ARP 2600. Wow. And he bought a four-track TAC recorder. Right, right, right. So we had that at home, which was like, I did did like everything on that. So when did you, when do you... At what, when did you start, like, really, like, playing and, and or messing with the gear? How old are you? Like, you know, are you, like... Teens. So, oh, okay. So that's, Probably like... I had that by the time I was 15 or 16. Wow. And, like, not playing guitar, not playing... Like, did you play... I played some guitar when I was really young, but I kind of gave... The, I was a violin player my whole youth. Oh, wow. Okay. And then gave that up in my teens, and then kind of switched to piano and composition yeah and i started messing with synthesizers and i'd play everything at half speed before sequencers oh, yeah and so then... and that's actually when i first met ray bardani yeah i was like recording everything i'd go into this little studio that was in westchester my not my not yeah legendary place and i'd record yeah. everything at half speed oh. so that was probably 82 83 or right. something before I had a sequencer, really. Right. So you record at half speed and then play back at normal speed. and Yeah, so I'd record everything oh, and really octave cool. down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So that's, and then, well, what brought you into Minot in the first place? Well, you it just... was actually that that little dance record for Jeff Travis. Cause he, I think he gave me, like, I did it at home on that ARP 2600. Wow. This okay. was, I guess it was probably my first year of college or something. Okay. And then uh, he gave me, I don't know, 250 bucks to finish the record wow <laughs> that is actually pretty decent amount of money like now <laughs> yeah, it's true now wow, back then it was nothing yeah. now it's actually <laughs> a lot <laughs> that's a trip man um, so yeah yeah wow. so i went in and ray was working at yeah. my not sound yeah. and he was just like the house guy yeah. right and so so did he mix it he mixed it that was how i met ray originally. wow yep. why i had no idea that there was that connection through Minot. Yeah. Because Minot was a place where, I think because of Ray's connection, a lot of those guys always went up there, like Marcus and Lenny White and all, you know, they worked there on stuff all the time. Well, that was even yeah. how I originally, you know, it's funny, I haven't really thought about this stuff for a long time, but actually, I guess Ray Bardani was my connection to Marcus, too, originally. Oh, yeah. no, it Because it was be, like, yeah. I think we needed a bass on something, and he was like, oh, you know... She got Marcus. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, at that point, he's like 20. Or right, you know. exactly. Oh, man. I think he's maybe a couple years older than me or something. Yeah, I mean, he's born in 59, I think, so right. he was yeah. just like a couple years older. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that. but it's so wild because, you know, I guess Ray is really the catalyst. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, that's such a great engineer. Yeah, to Ray's credit, I mean, 
I gotta say the guy, that guy, like from the minute I came in, he always he saw there was something yeah cool about the stuff I was doing. He was always super supportive, and I like you know I had nothing going on at that point. Yeah, and he like he always hooked me up with this person or that, but you know he was wow, yeah, that's really cool. I died. and Tom yeah. Samilla who like ran my not sound. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. He, like and he was also super supportive, really nice wow. guy. So really lucky that I ran into those guys. Totally. Yeah. My God. Yeah, that's incredible. So, so, when, because I wanted to continue, like, the, I mean, at, at college, you, according to Porter, you had this reputation of doing, like, really kind of wild stuff. Like, you were, you know, you, you know, like, the, according to him. I mean, I maybe according to you, you just went to college and you just, then you left. But, I mean, like, you were really kind of, like, known as, like, pretty heavy synth programmer and like real like you know understanding uh, of of sense you know well we did have that yeah sense so i kind of grew up around it but you know when i was i think at sarah lawrence i was still had fantasies about being like a composer oh okay so you know i was writing 12 tone oh, stuff wow. like super thorny yeah completely yeah. atonal wow sort of webern-esque nice <laughs> That's crazy. That's what I was really doing. And my original synth stuff, even, I was doing dance records with 12-tone rows. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Oh, Zeke is snoring. <laughs> we have a snoring dog. It's the third dog to appear on the podcast. I love that. Wow. I had no idea. So yeah. you, all right, so you were really... I like, in fact, it was the original, my original few demos, I managed to get in to see Michael Zilka, who ran Z Records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was like, Z Records was like, had the coolest shit to yeah. me. And I remember I went in and played him some some stuff, and it was like, the all the verses were these 12-tone rows, yeah. and then I had like a kind of disco dance chorus. And Zilka was like, can we just get rid of this stuff? <laughs> Do you have a razor blade? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they was like, is this other stuff I really like? Wow. Did, any, did you ever finish anything? In so, and he or? like literally said, like... He was like, I'll give you some money and you go in and do some more demos. You're the only... Who would ever do that but, but, now? Uh, well, no one would do it now, but apparently you, you had just you know, you Je Jeff Travis giving you money to do, you know, so you're a little, like, you're one of those dudes, like, oh, you know, just doing stuff. But, like, I don't know anyone that when I was at school that got money to finish things. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty cool. It man. was pretty cool. And, you know? And he, like, so I went to Minot and he would, you know, and I'd call Zilk and be like, hey, can you pay the couple hundred bucks for the studio? And Zilk would pay the bill, so... Sauce. Awesome. Yeah, we had no paperwork. It was nothing. You just, you know, I just call him. Was anything ever released like on vinyl? Like, you know, like there was one also really horrible um, <laughs> record, which was on an NME self-loathing. <laughs> Come on, man. On an NME compilation. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. That was like from that yeah. early period. Oh, that's really cool, man. I would love to hear it. I would totally... Not when I'm in the room. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those. Oh, that's terrible. Wow. But, well, yeah. Uh, it was really an interesting cool. time because it was, like, it was so, so, so different, the music business. Like, oh. I, I could call Zilka, who was the head of that, this, albeit small company, but I could just call... I cold called him and got him on the phone. Uh, yeah, why not? And I he mean, said... You know, I'm pretty busy, but if you call me and I have some time, you can come down here and play me some stuff. And so I called him 
a few times. Yeah. And then he said, oh, yeah, you know what? I have yeah. some time. Come down. Just wear him down. Yeah. I mean, it's like... And that's the thing. I think that, you know, if you fast forward to now, and, I, and you know, a lot of... Part of the reason why we do this show is that we kind of want... You know, we have kids, and we want our kids to listen to... Because, you know, you know, you've heard the show. We talk to a lot of music people, but the real thing is, like, we just... We want younger people to understand that, like, you know, things have changed in a way where there's almost like this disconnect where it's like, you know, I know for me, I wrote a letter to someone, and that's how my career right. started. And I don't think younger, like, a younger folks understand, like, you need community, and you need to be in... It's, and it's not just, like, community because six people wrote a song via email. You know, like, that's Which kind of... Which is you know, okay, too. It's, it's... You know what? It's really okay if you don't want to be in the room with those five other people. But there's this thing, like, you, you should know to reach out to a zilk and say, hey, you guys said call him back. I'm going to call him back. Like, you need to be persistent. And, I mean... There's so many recurring, repeating stories of guys like you just saying, like, no, I just reached out to someone, and I just made sure I, I created that opportunity. You know what I mean? I like, did create that opportunity, but I really did my homework in terms yeah, of, yeah, like, good. I knew just personally, Z Records right. was where I knew aesthetically I wanted to be. Right. So I knew. That's like, super important. I knew what his taste was like, yeah. and I knew on some level yeah. my thing could fit in there. Yeah. So I really did my homework. I mean, I really listened. Well, but I, not to say that I think everybody does that now, too, but... Yeah. Well, I there's mean... There's just so much to listen to, though, now. There's so much to listen to, and, I, and, and I, honestly, I don't think there's... And I could be wrong, but I don't notice as much homework getting done. I think a lot of people just blanket and just try to reach anyone they can, you know, if there's so much dis dissonance, you know what I mean? I, I feel like I'll, I'll get called to work on things and I'll just be like, how did you even find me? Like, you know, like, you know, it's like, it's so weird. It's not always, I don't know. It's, it's different. I, you know, having worked in that era and, and felt and seen that thing it, it's different now i mean it's and it, it's it's not worse or better or whatever but there's there seems to be less of a relationships thing sometimes at least for me like i, I feel like there's a little bit because of the internet and because of facebook and you know all these things there's a weird disconnect in creativity sometimes for me you know the you sometimes you feel more the business of music and not like the joy of the making of music nowadays and, and the way the business music business is structured. That's just my own personal thing. I don't know. Yeah? I don't okay. know. You don't fucking I just, argue with me, Gamson. No. I, just, I actually don't know, for sure, because yeah. it's been so long since I was starting up, so I'm not sure. Right, okay. But I do feel like there's a different focus now. Like, I don't... I haven't run in... When I was starting out... I didn't know anything about, like, um, formats. Right, okay. I didn't even know what that was. Right. And I don't, I don't think I've run into a young writer right. who isn't pretty aware of what they're writing for. That's, that's so, a good point. I don't know that that's a bad thing. But it's not just, bad it, at all, It's yeah. just a reality. Yeah. No, so, no, that's interesting. I didn't like, I didn't know there that. were... Yeah. Top forty and hot AC. Yeah, I didn't know. First any time of I third, the first time I heard the term hot AC, I was like, "What is that a joke?" You know, it's like hot air conditioning. Like, <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, all those things. 
Yeah, I I'm definitely was in the same boat when I started making my own records. I didn't know what formats. I just made records. I mean, maybe I was just blissfully ignorant yeah. at the time because they obviously existed, but I didn't yeah. know anything about that. I was just like making doing stuff. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, I don't. I haven't run into. I don't run into young people who aren't very aware of what they're writing. For. But okay, so but saying okay, and I don't want to belabor this, but being so aware of where your stuff needs to fit takes away the magic of just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. I think that there is a beauty to like, hey, I made this thing. I just, this is just what happened. It's not like, hey, I wrote this track and it's for Kesha. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be, and, and I think, did you work with her? Yes. So I'm not dissing her, but there's that clear hyper intention of like, you Okay, know, well, we're talking about different things. No, we're not. <laughs> Listen to me. No, okay, sorry. Because there's the, there's the sort of, songwriter yeah that's writing songs to pitch yeah. to get cuts that's yeah. a very different that's true. songwriting than somebody who's an artist who's just the right. writing their own stuff and doing whatever so now i'm writing songs mostly for pitchable songs right. because i'm older and that's i'm not going to be the artist right so they have to, f and those kind of songs are very narrow. Yes, about what they have to be. Totally. So, so that's interesting. So how? But I don't know that that's true of, like, if you're an artist making a record, I don't think that I don't. You don't have the same restrictions. No, not at all. Um, but that's interesting. How did you? I mean, I guess in a way, by vir by virtue of the way you joined Scritti Politi and the way you made those records and then went on to produce and write songs, you've always been a songwriter. I mean, I guess you came in more as like you know you you're doing all the programming and like you were really yeah honestly I when I went in, I thought of myself more like I wanted to be a producer right. arranger right. that's really what I wanted to do. The songwriting was like kind of right an outgrowth of that, and then the whole music business changed so much yeah that it was like I became a songwriter wow more as a focus than because. Producing other people's material just was there was yeah. I don't I don't know how to make a living on that anymore. Yeah, no, it, I mean my, I was raised by someone that that's right. all yes. he did. Of course. So, you know, I watched him adjust. I mean, it's great. <laughs> Through such a great line, it it went away, and you know he was my old man was so not interested in changing with the times as it went away, that he just was like, you know what I I I think there's something about. Uh, reissuing records that, that have been taken out of... Like, doing reissues and doing catalog stuff. And he referred to the 10 years of his transition of basically not really working as scratching his way back to the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he just... He reinvented himself as a label owner and, uh, and a reissue guy and, and a box set... You know, and box sets are gone. You know, like all right. that, that notion of compilations and box sets. But... But yeah, so I guess you know, for you, you're you're you know, you were producing artists. But man, I have to say that 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 first Michelle record is so heavy, and and I love that record. It's that's a spectacular record. I love that that, record. that there are. I mean, I didn't do all of it. No, you did like four or five tunes, right? I, think I did like six actually. Oh really? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, but you know, you you did digging you digging you like an old soul record. Is no, that, that Bob did that actually. That's him by Bob's himself. Power, yeah. Oh, I thought that was you and Bob and her. No, that oh. one was. That was him. Wikipedia wrongly really? credits you. Oh. Track number two, Dave, David Gamson, producer. Oh, yeah. No, I did, like, Outside Your Door. Oh, and wow. 
Um, did you write? Were you writer? No, on that it was because that was all. She was all demoed. Yeah, so out. I was I like purely the oh, producer wow. on that stuff, and that was really like that, was that era. Yeah, I was really like that's really more. I thought of myself as like a producer, and wow. I actually liked kind of just producing other people's stuff. I mean, that's that's a whole you, different. You can head. tell by listening to that track. I mean, like, you know, it's like, that's so well produced and so well mixed and everything Thanks. about that. Man. Yeah, I really love that. Her first, that first record. I love that record. Ah, it's, that's one of those records, like that record defines that time for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was really like, it, it really encapsulated so many things going on right then. Yeah. It's weird because I don't feel like she gets her due. She doesn't at all. And I don't know why. It's fun. I think her biggest, most successful song is the duet of the Van Morrison thing with, yeah. with Mellencamp. Well, it is, yeah. And it's, I don't even think of it as her, really. No. I mean, it's like, well, he was hip enough to say, hey, I true. want to do a duet with you. Who would call him doing that? Like, yeah, no one. True. But she's she's great on it. You know what I mean? But it's his record, and you know. But, uh, but her records, man, she's so good and such a freaking amazing bass player yeah i mean just she's unappreciated one of, one of those people that i feel like there's never anything it's never wrong yeah it's just a choice yeah you know what i mean it's like everything she plays yeah just because it's like played with such confidence yeah you know she just attacks that thing with such confidence and that's true of everything she plays but i find that that's true of most instrumentalists like if they play they play the same way on every instrument. Yeah. And, you know, like... There's a conviction and a, and yeah. a confidence that's just... It's unwavering. Yeah. You know, it's like... I always just think about... It, it's just such clear intention. Yep. That it's, you know... And, and yeah, my favorite... I mean, listen... Like, like I remember saying... Yeah. When we worked on that first record, I remember there was some issue where, you know, there was some note that, as Roger Chapman would say, was mathematically incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, I had a problem with it, and I was like, you know, it's just, it's wrong. And she was like, oh, and she said, no, man, how could it be I wrong? It. I played it. Ah! <laughs> she's so right. I'm and so she glad right. she said that. I hate that. When someone says something's wrong, it's, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be, yeah. No, no she was 100% right, but it yeah. was really like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and you worked with her at a point, like, you know, she, she that was that was you know, she we was actually so... just, just reconnected. Oh man, I I would totally love for you guys to work together again. It would be ridiculous. Yeah, we just spent like a week just messing around, and <sighs> hopefully we're gonna do some more. Cause she was kind of interested in sticking her toe in what pop songwriting would be like. Yeah. So we kind of did a week of that. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. I kind of always felt like. I still feel like she could be writing pop records if she wanted to. I, you know, it's funny you say that. I always thought of her as someone that probably just... She was so focused on her thing yeah. that she probably, like... She could have easily done that, but I I just... If, as an artist... Much she, to Maverick's chagrin. Oh, yeah. No, and the thing is, very much to their chagrin, because I know that they, 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 were, they were smart enough to see her as this force... And I think she's like, yeah, but I'm a force for me. Like, I, you know, I'm not here to write a song for, I don't know, any number of artists. Like, I could see, but she would she would kill that because she has such a... I mean, if that's, 
your boyfriend to me was like so close to being just yeah. a great, you know, a pop pop right. And you, 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 I didn't do that one actually. Oh wow. Yeah, but that was like that was probably the closest. So anyway. Yeah. I did the whole, this whole second one. Right. So and I think so, I did like yeah. the majority of the first one. So. Yeah, I mean that's. And then to be honest, it was really Maverick that chasing what they were hoping was going to be a hit that they really like ended our working relationship to be perfectly frank oh, no. it was like we yeah. were working on a third record and they just basically um yeah were yeah. like and then she went and made bitter which was like the furthest yeah. thing from a um, pop record yeah absolutely <laughs> no it's funny sometimes you know circling back around and and revisiting you which know which i actually did the, all of i did all of her vocals on that bitter record too oh really edited, yeah wow wow yeah she's just one of those artists man i've you know i've had some i've had a bunch of friends uh go through being in her band mm -hmm. you know and she's got a great band too oh really crazy like guys just you know all the musicians that have played with her are guys that i just love playing with and just like incredible but you know the thing that always cracks me i'm a bass player and you know the thought of being her bass player because she always has a bass player yeah Cause she, she's yeah. just like hey you know like i need you know, I constantly need that support so I can go in and out of doing, you know what yeah. I mean? I think it's hard to do the her Vocals. vocal thing, which is way, way, way behind the beat. Yeah, and then and be way on the, yeah. And she's just one of those artists, I mean, we can wrap her, wrap it up with her just by saying, like, she she's seriously underappreciated. And that, and that first record is seriously un, underappreciated. I mean, like... Especially now, because I feel like... The Neo Soul thing has oh really God. come full circle. Yeah. And she's just not somebody I ever hear mentioned in that group. She's responsible for it. Yeah, she I, was I mean, kind of really like the first yeah. of that. And she and and I still feel like she had such a unique take on it. Yeah. But she yeah, nobody I just don't feel like she gets her, her She game. doesn't. And 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 now my absolute goal is to have her on the show. <laughs> now that I think of it, I've always been, she's someone that I've always wanted to meet, but I don't want to meet her because I also know that she is a strong personality. Oh, she's a, she's a, a wonderful, wonderful. Everyone says the same thing, but for, for some reason. Yeah, okay. Well, we need to work on getting her on the show. Um, I want to talk to you about what you do now and what you've done as a songwriter. Because I don't know that I really know the, the the breadth of, like, I know you've worked on a lot of really, like, hits, like, hit records in the last, like, 10, 15 years, but... Well, it was probably 10 years ago. Well, maybe not t 10 years ago, but it's probably around there where I thought, okay, the producing thing... Yeah, you were I, I need to make a shift. So I really started, like, basically started again... And was like, okay, I'm going to be a songwriter, and that's going to be my focus. Right. And if I get the, if I get the production out of it, great. But that's not the that isn't my primary focus. Okay. So and I don't know. I just kind of started again at that somewhere along the way. I yeah, I hooked up with Kesha very early on. Oh really? Okay. So like pre Doctor Luke or like well. I mean, I felt like she was always... She was signed to Luke, but then they were, like, estranged for a couple years. Mm. So, and it was in that period where, like, when I met her, she was kind of doing 
kind of a guitar-based Avril Lavigne pop right. kind of thing. And then when we met, we kind of started this very synthy. Mm. So I think I did a lot of the sort of artist development. We spent a lot of time oh, no. messing around with yeah. a sound and stuff, which was like... It, that was kind of the sound. Yeah. That was what uh, ended absolutely, up being. Absolutely, yeah. So, and I actually felt like it wasn't a million miles away from Scurdy Bolitti, to be honest, on the on the tracks that really? we were doing. It was like... Interesting. Synthy. Yeah, very, know. yeah. Um. So, yeah, and that kind of like... Then I was kind of just back in the pop thing, and it's just been like, that's all I've been doing since. Um, wow. All right, so that makes sense. It's like 10 years. I can see the, the time. Yeah, and then... Yeah, and then I got lucky and wrote, you know, Stronger, which Kelly Clarkson did. Really? That's you? That's yeah. great. That's a great record. Thank you. Wow, man. Well, I didn't produce it. Greg Kirsten produced it. So, but, it's yeah, okay. I did write it, yeah. It's a great yeah. record in terms of it. it's a great song. So Thanks, yeah. So that, and that was like, you know, that's one of those life-changing songs because it was like yes. number one on 26 charts. and Oh, just, Wow. Yeah, I bet you knew about formats then. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty life changing, um, and then that's all been my focus. I had like I had one on this new Jesse J record that's out now. Great. I got a couple things coming out this year, and that's so really that's been yeah. the focus. But it's very it's like like I was saying, writing pitchable songs is a very oh, specific it's, yeah. It's weird. I think Possibly it's, soul robbing <laughs> experience. It's, but it's always, you know what's funny? No matter what, I didn't even never even thought of this. Like, I don't see a gigantic difference in terms of, like, even from, like, say, the Brill building to now. Songs well, are songs. Well, I think that's very similar, actually. But, yeah. But I mean, there was a lot of in between. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. But in, in a weird way that it's always kind of cycled like this, you know, in the 50s you had specific writers. I, I'm I'm a Brill Building guy just in terms of you know, like my, you know, my, in the Jewish sense of the word, my uncle is this guy, Doc Thomas, who wrote like Viva oh, Las yeah. Vegas. And my one of my dad's absolute best friends grew up like spending a lot of time with him. And I know that they would literally, they would write songs and just be like, this is the artist what's here's the idea boom it's so boom you know and it's doesn't sound any different really now i mean you know it's like you know especially for like that up top pop you know sort of it's yeah i mean the only thing that i it's difficult i think well it's all difficult but it's got to be that right combination of familiarity mm. while still something you haven't heard and i feel mm. like the pop music production thing is you're constantly you have to reinvent yeah there is no no sound no so it's it's a, a constantly moving target and you kind of have to like it has to sound fresh hmm. all the time so you have to constantly like yeah. on the production side it's, it's you really got to reinvent what it is every single time right so it's a lot when you when you demo stuff what the tracks that you do do the because you you know it's interesting to me you just said something you're like well I didn't produce the track I'm like instantly I think like why the fuck not well because that happened to be one which is hasn't happened many times but that was one where I didn't I don't think I actually got it right on the demo okay and he wow spun it in a different way we didn't write it for 
originally it wasn't intended for Kelly, so we kind of it was kind of taken in a different place. Okay. But I'm not sure that I, you know, he really he did nail a whole different take yeah. on the song. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I think he did a great job, and I'm super, right yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, give me an that example. was one of the few cases where actually that because most of the time, most of the time, if so, in the few instances where I hadn't produced it. I felt like things got worse. Oh, okay. Um, with the exception of like Marcus mm -hmm. and probably Greg. Yeah. But in a lot of other instances, I've always felt like disappointed with the way it came out. Right. So. But it's then rare. you. Okay. I, and I don't want you to like. There's no naming and names, but like, I guess what I find fascinating is just your level of knowledge of production and your level of knowledge of the gear and just like whatever you're like. I don't know, from the outside looking in, I would be like, well, you know, you wrote the song, you know, I don't care who the artist is, like, I would always just assume you would be the producer of almost any song you wrote, but I, you really focus on the on the songwriting aspect of things, or is it out of your control, is it sometimes that we have this producer in Sweden, and he's gonna, he's gonna produce You know track. what, it's different in every, every case. case, so, I so know that was you coming. just don't know, Yeah. but I still, I certainly approach demos like mm. this is it so like the demo pretty much now it's gonna sound like a record yeah so the demo's right. like this is it yeah and i like to try to get it to that place as much as i can yeah but you don't always get it right yeah that's true you know you're just yeah and a lot of times like sometimes somebody just has a different take on something and you're like shit i didn't think of that right so not that i couldn't have done no, it no but just... it was like oh shit i didn't think of that yeah no, I That's totally a good idea. Hear that. So, but for like the Jesse J record, did you that one I produced and it was very much like the demo. Right. So at that point, you're already like parts are written. There's there's you're using parts from the demo splits. You know tracks. Actually. Yeah, that was like that's just you made a track. Yeah. Okay. I mean even yeah vocal yeah. harmonies are exactly the same. Right. I mean that okay like, that one really is well that's good. The demo hear. was yeah pretty much the record even though her vocal took it up a good few notches for sure yeah she can sing her ass off really she's a really good singer yeah so well, that's great man. that one I, I i felt actually good about that one which is rare <laughs> <laughs> this is a real serious recurring theme through your career have you ha, you know i don't even know why i would ask this but have you ever have you ever like scored have you ever done like film work or tv stuff my i had a great experience Sort of being part of the Hans Zimmer crew for Mission Impossible 2. Really? Yeah. Which was really fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, there were, like, different sets of people in different rooms. Oh, I know. Yeah. Okay. So, I, yeah. I, like, was, you know, one of those sets of people. You were at remote control? Like, you know, yeah. Oh, you, did you stay? Were you there for, like, a while? Yeah, did you was, have a room? Like, that yeah, was, like, we had a, yeah, it was a, dude. probably over the course of a couple months. That's great. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. How did that come about? It was through my buddy Oliver Lieber, who was uh, yeah, that's so he right. Was like kind of so doing talented. some stuff, very talented. Yeah, and then I think he was like, it was. Do you know Alan Myerson? Oh my God. Okay. Yes. Okay. So Alan was there. I kind of knew Alan. Yeah. Somehow System I ended five up. Five guy. Yeah. Somehow I ended up over there, and then we just his name up. has been brought up. By the way, in the last three days, by three, it's like that synchronicity kind of thing. Uh, Alan's name. I had dinner with a guy last night who was talking about Alan because he worked with Alan at Media Sound. It's Carl Beatty from Berkeley School of Music. 
he's known Alan for 35 years. Like one of those, oh, wow. like, you know, and he referred to him, you as a snot nosed kid that was a bad jingle engineer. <laughs> yeah. So it was just so, you know, sorry, Alan. That's what he, you know, <laughs> but yeah, that's so Alan's connected to that. I know he's, he, yeah, yeah, I mean, he does like, for, I think all uh, yeah. of the stuff or most of it. That's so, so somehow I, like, I knew Alan and Ollie was over there and I, I can't remember somehow. It's a good crew of guys, man. Yeah. It was, a, it was very fun. I mean, wow. I would do that. Love to do more over there. It just never really came up, but yeah. it was a lot of fun. So yeah, it was, <laughs> and it's fun to work on something that was like that. Yeah, mega. yeah. Well, that's Hans's thing, man. Everything is like, <sighs> you know, it's like it's like I would just. I've only been to the place like two Have you times. Because he is so like when he does like the meeting with every, you know the whole the, team, the or... when the. You know, like Tom Cruise would come down, and oh wow, and it was John Woo, and it was like the whole yeah crew, I, I, and he'd come down, and everybody was assembled to like watch and listen, and man, Hans is so good. I mean, he's maestro. I mean, maestro you know, he's just, at that's that. it. Oh my god! And you know, I gotta say, man, it's funny. Like, so you know, I, I score a bunch of stuff, and I work in that world, but I'm a little. I wouldn't say intimidated of that building, but that building, man, is like, that is a machine. It is. That's like, you don't walk in there unless you have, like, your double A game on. Like, because, you know, you are replaceable. You know what I mean? That's like that Barton Fink thing. Like, he'll bring you in for your thing and then tell you you don't do your thing. So, I, you know, I have hesitation with that, but he's, he's genius, I, you know. Like, the level of technical ability over there yeah. is, is amazing. Yeah. And, like, just the actual sort of technicians on a just geeky gear level is I've never seen anything like See, it. See, I would love to get around that cuz I know as a musician to in to like to, he was doing stuff cuz this is I don't know Mission Impossible 2 was yes. over 10 years ago yeah, yeah, I think so. He was doing stuff that most people are doing. I mean, like in terms of the virtual synths. Oh no, that's all that stuff. way I mean, ahead of the game. So ahead of it. Way ahead of the game. Oh, and and I was talking to somebody actually last night where they were saying, there was one score, and I don't know what the film was, but I thought this was so hip, so hip, and I never thought of this. So he has that whole room of analog synths, like his his main room, the whole wall is this like this modular synths, and then like you know, tons of synths. Yeah. And they had worked on the that's score. That's the new, the red. That, that's the yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So and and I'd been in there one time. He wasn't there, but my buddy is one of his main guys, and he took me around. But what really flipped me out is that they were working on the score and it was all done virtually with all the great you know like you know virtual moogs and virtual yep. arps and all this stuff but then it was done after it was mocked up with all the actual hardware so then there was the oh, analog really? and i think the idea was it's just you know and it's just you know the difference sonically at the end of the day it's like those synths going through the right EQ and signal path, they recreated the whole thing that had been created virtually with the real hardware. And it's so cool to me that that, like, the See, even. That's funny because, you know, you'll probably hate me for saying this, but no. I just think that's a total way. <laughs> I love you for saying that. I love you for I am saying so that. I'm so not in that school. Why bother? You're, that's like, and why you go bother? To the movie and the music is this loud. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you wait a minute. Gonna know. Did you see Interstellar? Because the no, music, actually, yeah, no, Hans, no, his mixes. The music is. I mean, the, the music's loud on on that I shit. Just, but I just think it's I hip because I know. I have a really hard time believing 
there's a qualitative difference. Ah, uh, <laughs> see, that cracks me up though, because that runs complete. What is that? Is that a I plane? Think it's, no, it's the garbage truck. Oh my god, that was. I was like, oh, that's Hans. It's like it's, it's Armageddon. That's you know, his like drums. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I got so scared. I didn't know what that was. No, but that runs so counter, and maybe because it wasn't yours, but that runs counter to that hyper, we punched every guitar note mentality. Like, some would say that's a wank. Because the, True. Yeah. True. I mean, I guess choose your wank. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking brilliant. Choose your wank with your host, David Gabson. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, I could, could not care less about yeah. whether. That yeah, whole right, analog yeah. versus... Is it a CS80V or the CS80? Yeah, could yeah. not care less. Sorry, it's a Yamaha sense, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I I just thought... It, I think the main thing about it that I love is the fact that someone even thought to go... No, it, it's, I, I could almost say an English guy going, we need to do that now, <laughs> analog. You know, and they just did it. Right, I, maybe that's a way to keep everybody busy over there. Hey, man. I'll I'll stay busy like that all day. Like that's that geek stuff that I just I love all that gear and I fucking obsess on all the you know yeah, software it's just, and it's hardware. It's like that that I'm I love 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 the whole you know plug-in thing and but I yeah. can't I can't get obsessed with like yeah. real that whole argument yeah. the real yeah. versus no it doesn't I can't get into that yeah. no I, 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 I there's the tactile thing. That's yeah. the only argument I could see. Yeah. Which is like actually turning knobs yeah. is a different experience. Yeah. Then. But you know. now, I mean, you know, it's like for whatever it's worth, like th this, that's all come full circle in a way because the control you can now have over software. I mean, we have the same synth, you know, keyboard controller and I use that thing. I'm like all over really? the place. Cause I, yeah. I still end up doing it with a mouse and a keyboard. 90% yeah. of the time. Yeah. Oh, I use... Because, okay, like, so, I bought that controller because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I never use it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I just... That's a trip. Okay, no. just type we're, it in. We're talking about this thing called... It's made by a company called Nectar, and he has a P4, I have a P6. It, then that just means 49 keys or 61 keys. I can't keys. actually get this thing to work well anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, what are you using it with? Cubase? Or, yeah, Cubase. Or, yeah, see, it depends. It's really made for Reason. Yeah. And I'm a Reason user, so the thing it is... slows me down on yeah. Cubase. Oh, that's a trip. Yeah, because, like, when you... I love the scroll thing. through... You have to wait for this thing to update. It's just... Oh, it's quicker to just use okay. Do we, we're at minutia. This is yeah, really yeah, this is this is so nerdy. It's as if we're at the Nam show right now, yeah, which is going on as we speak to date this. But so, I mean, what do you do? You spend the bulk of your creative time like writing pop songs. Is that is that what your focus is now? I mean, to to get back onto uh, like a. I mean, is that that is pretty much my focus now? Yes, is just is you know. I'm kind of want to get back into doing a little bit more artist development and finding something right. because I've been mostly focused on writing songs, pitching songs. Right. And that, you know, it's tough. Very tough. You know, and it's a lot of, you know, your percentage of cuts to songs is, yeah. you know, Even small. with hit records... That's the thing I, I always think about that. Like I, my artist records are mostly used and licensed for films and TV, and like that really is like which is a great world actually. It it, it can be, but much like the world you're talking about, and, and it very much 
so mirrored is that and I and I, and this is for someone listening that's trying to like kind of get into that world um for every license request I get I always I'm a huge sports fan and I always refer things to baseball. I'm base. Are you a baseball fan at all? Or are you totally you hate man. not a sports fan. So you won't uh, make make it noted that Mr. Gamson will not understand the Mendoza line reference. Um, if you get about eight, fifteen to twenty percent of your licenses to go, you are an all star. It is so difficult. Right. Like I mean. I, you know, and that's the thing. I think kids, you know, getting out of these schools, they, they think like, oh, well, I'm just going to do licensing. I'm going to make beats. And we're gonna... and it's just like, you know what? No, you're not. Because you're, you're you know, every time. What funny. people don't realize is like every facet of yeah. this music business is incredibly competitive. So oh, there isn't yeah. any place you're, I'm just going to do. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, that's funny. You know, you know, referring back to the Marcus episode, it's like we both were sitting there and we realized. Um, you score films, you produce other artists, you write songs for people, you, 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 you know, you, you work for Disney theme park, like whatever yeah. you can do, you do. And, and you so, also don't, everything leads to something else. Yes. So That's you very always good. have to take, yeah. even if it's something that you don't think is going to get, is worth it. Sometimes those are the things that are worth doing, you know? So yeah. it's, it's really hard to know. Yeah. So, and yeah, cause I, there have been those moments where for me, over years where I've thought, oh, well, this is really difficult. I'm just going to do whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I realize, wow, there's like yeah. thousands of people just yeah. trying to do this too. Yeah. And I'm not working right now having coffee with one of them. Yeah. It's just like, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. You got to be open. You got to really be open. But uh, I'm trying to think. So what else we got going on? What else is shaking, man? I think we touched good. on so many things. We, Oh, wait. One last thing, because I didn't ask you this. Roger Troutman on Boom There She Was, and we'll come full circle. Well, you never answered the two tomorrow. I actually either, made, but... like, a, a whole record with him, too, later. When I, you know, I did, like, what? I was, like, staff producer A&R at Warner Brothers for five years. I knew that. I knew that. My Ryan, my brother Ryan was telling me that. So, and one of the things I did while I was over there, some of the stuff, I did the Michelle stuff yeah. while I was there. I did some Shaka stuff when I was there. Dude, you were a staff producer when that didn't really exist anymore. You caught like you caught the end of that. There were a few. I didn't mean to point. You seem you seem concerned. <laughs> well, actually, point. Matt, who you interviewed, was over there at that time. Right in the jazz side of things. Yeah. You know. So that was more common though on the jazz side. It would be like there would be the okay, dude that like curated. Richard the Perry was still there. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Riding on the coattails of what the Pointer Sisters? Yeah. Yes. In the nineties. Yeah, in the nineties. That's pretty sweet, man. That's one thing I do love about that our business is that you can if you do it the well, right way. I I'm not I think less so now. Oh no, it doesn't exist. That's why I'm saying yeah. you caught the end of like Yeah, I did catch I, the end. You know, of it. I, I had, my dad had a label for a little while and I worked at it and I had a business card, just as an aside, and I always cracked me up. Because I was like, 32 records, Adam Dorn, staff producer. It didn't exist. You were like the only guy I knew that had a gig in pop that was like... Yeah, I don't know, know why that like it really appealed to me. Awesome. And that whole history of staff producers. But yeah. I did kind of catch the end of it. You did? And, you know, I always have mixed feelings about it. Because it's like, and a lot of times, you were like the guy, if you were on staff, was like the guy that had to fix stuff that was like yep. kind of broken, which yeah. usually those are unfixable. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, even with my, you know, overblown idea of what I could achieve. Yeah. Most of those. No, no, no. <laughs> we're not it's fixable. a rough gig. I mean, it's yeah. you, you got to work on stuff so like you the, hate. Like the Michelle 
records were were very fun and I got to do those and then and the shock stuff was very fun and oh, yeah. but anyway I got to do like a bunch funny. of stuff with Roger at that time too because he was kind of like in a weird yeah that was the period right before he kind of got back with Dre yeah yeah, that yeah, yeah. Tupac yeah. yeah so it was like it was before that and he was kind of in a weird place yeah and we did a whole bunch of stuff and it was so fun I mean I mean I couldn't you can't be in a room I, I would just I can't stop laughing giggling when yeah. he does his thing cuz it is just so amazing <laughs> it's like magic Well and okay so this really does go full circle cuz in the in the in the breakdown section of basically like there's just I wouldn't even know what to call it but on boom there she was there's a section where you just let him go off yeah and he basically takes a solo yeah and it's like all I could think of is I would be sitting there just we were fucking rolling. smiling. That's the what you did. Whole fucking exactly time. Exactly what you did. Because there's nothing. A, it doesn't, like, you don't want to be the asshole that says, hey man, can you do this? Wee, woo, 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 woo. You know, like, there's no line to sing to him. There's nothing. Did you? Did you tell him? Hell what no. To, good. All right. I knew I loved you. Um, it's no, amazing. It's amazing. A genius. You know? Yeah. But also the whole concept of it, which was like, he took this thing that sounds like a machine and then went to church on it you know he's basically he was like that's what he said to me he was like yeah i just had this idea like i was gonna do this machine sounding thing but i was gonna sing like i was in church with it and it's like exactly what he did and it's so genius oh that's amazing that's that's so cool you couldn't be in the room like you know he would answer my phone at my house with the with the voice box. <laughs> I mean, oh man, you know, it's just you couldn't not smile. It was yeah. so amazing, and like I've just never seen anybody use that thing like he did. No, not even close. All right, who the hell are the two tomorrows? And then I'll let you go. Uh, and how did you fit Moto Guzzi and two? Well, I, I know those are. The I know, but I know you must know the stories. That, you know, I, as far as I remember, the two tomorrows were some. <laughs> It's so, like pretty weird. I will have to Google it. Yeah. I think it was a, some revolutionary... Oh, really? Like a, to... like a weird literary reference? Yeah. Or uh, like a t- no, no, like a political reference. Oh, I never know. Okay. The two Pomaros, I think they were like... We're going to have to Google it. There's just this weird thing. That I, the thing of the thought he has I had... Emmanuel Kant in there. Yeah, no, there's really heady references. Yeah. I just, totally as an aside... One of the worst videos, one of the most ridiculous worst videos ever. Yeah, made, by the no, way. yeah, it was, it's pretty, yeah. I That I will agree on. Um, but there, there's an aside, I think Phil Spector, when he was starting to have hits, was so blown away by uh, Fats Domino's Blue, Blueberry Hill record that... You know, for like he obsessed over this record, um, and while he may not be the best human being of all time, I do think this story is fucking hysterical because he, he when he finally met the songwriter, he was like, I need to know everything of what, where is Blueberry Hill, what is Blueberry Hill? This is, it, I, I just this is my favorite song ever, and the you know, probably the songwriter is like an old Jew, and he goes, Blueberry Hill, it doesn't exist, it rhymes with thrill. <laughs> It's not in place, and I just think that there's something about lyrics. I'm not a lyric guy, and it sounds like you're not either. Nah, I'm Sometimes not really. I'm just like I think you know I always mess up lyrics, and I'm like you know for me it's like you know hold me closer, Tony Danza. You know, like I don't know, I fuck lyrics up all the time. So that but you did set- it is actually two Pomaros. Good. All right. Well, and on that note, 
thank you so much, yeah, man. I was so psyched that you know we could connect on this end. David Gabson, uh, compared to what? Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>